Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Sylvia F., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater in San Francisco Bay. Today is Friday, March 9th, 2018, and this is the 10 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are on page 35, second paragraph, which starts with our first example is a friend. We're going to look at Jim's story. We're going to read through two paragraphs. Uh, today. Today's readers are Jordan Mill on the 12 Steps, Mary Jane Z on the 12 Traditions, and our readers of the text are Wendy M, Polly Q, Terry H. Our newcomer greeter at the end of the recorded hour is Melanie C. And the share ID code for Thursday, <clears throat> March 8th, the 10 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting is 11,137, and the share ID code for Friday this morning, March 9th, 7 a.m., is 11,146, 11,146. <clears throat> the OA preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeater, overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members we are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Jordan L. to read the 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. Jordan? Hi, my name is Jordan Now. I'm a compulsive overeater from Silverstone, Colorado. Can you hear me? Yes. Um, these are the 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. Number one, we admitted we are powerless over food, that our lives have become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to vanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all 
you, Jordan Elm. I will now ask Mary Jane Z to read the 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. Good morning. May I be heard? Yes. Thank you. This is Mary Jane Z, recovered in Kentucky. The 12 Traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop overeating. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive eater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and films. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for your service. I pass. Thank you, Mary Jane Z. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We're sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page 35. It's the second paragraph, which starts with our first example is a friend we shall call Jim. We're going to read through two paragraphs, ending with for whom he had deep affection. And I will now ask Wendy M. to start our reading. Wendy. Yes, good morning. This is Wendy M. recovered in Colorado. And um, thank you, Sylvia, for your service and everybody on the line. Our first example is a friend we shall call Jim. This man has a charming wife and family. He inherited a lucrative automobile agency. He had a commendable World War record. He is a good salesman. Everybody likes him. He's an intelligent man, normal as far as we can see, except for a nervous disposition. He did no drinking until he was 35. 
In a few years, he became so violent when intoxicated that he had to be committed. On leaving the asylum, he came into contact with us. We told him what we knew of alcoholism and the answer we had found. He made a beginning. His family was reassembled, and he began to work as a salesman for the business he had lost through drinking. All went well for a time, but he failed to enlarge his spiritual life. To his consternation, he found himself drunk half a dozen times in rapid succession. On each of these occasions, we worked with him, reviewing carefully what had happened. He agreed he was a real alcoholic and in a serious condition. He knew he faced another trip to the asylum if he kept on. Moreover, he would lose his family for whom he had a deep affection. So again, this is Wendy M. in Recovered in Boulder, Colorado. So happy to be on the line. So Jim is by far my favorite person in the whole book. This story is by far my favorite story. Um, I call him the whiskey in the milkman. And the reason I love Jim is because I relate so deeply to the insanity of his condition. I love his mind and how it works. I relate to it. I have a sick mind, but I work this program and then I get well. And then I get sick and then I get well. Um, and the, reason, the other reason I love it, and not to get into too much of the whiskey and the milk part, but um, I literally, in order to get the food that I want in my mouth, I had to lie. And that's really, to me, what the story is about, is the denial and the lie. Um, I would put ice cream in my coffee while I was abstinent and called that cream. Um, and anything that went in the salad bowl, no matter what, was fair game because it's called a salad. So that's the insanity that we're dealing with here. And I think the first thing really to look at, and by the way, he's also my friend, and I like him too. It says everybody likes him, including myself. Um, and I was the girl in whatever, junior high, you know, ran for student body, everything. Everyone seemed to like me, and they had no idea that every, every day when I came home from 3 o'clock to 11 o'clock at night, I nonstop ate. Nobody knew that. I looked on the outside, except maybe I had a nervous disposition. I probably did. Um, and so what I want to say is, uh, there's a couple things. He said he worked as a salesman for the business he had lost through drinking. And, you know, that was fine with him. All went well, you know. And that's what I really want to key in on here. Because to enlarge my spiritual life, I have to do 10, 11, and 12 every single day. And 10 is 4 through 9. So I work all the steps every day. And if I have an upset, I can't blow it off. I, I'd like to, but I can't. If I blow off that upset and I don't call you and I don't write my 10 step out that day, that moment, um, I'm not good to go at all. I'm completely blocked and I'm probably going to grab the food at some point and probably blame you and everybody else for my day, right? My head's in um, the crapper, as they say. Um, and, you know, I just, I'll give an example. And, and I just want to say also, so, so we can't blow it off. But we have to even be aware that we're in it. Like yesterday, I was driving going, what's going on? And I stopped the car, and I said, oh, my God, I'm angry. Like I first had to identify it, you know, and anger is the dubious luxury of normal men. So I called someone, right? And, and this is what I was angry about. Like I called her. I was at a face-to-face -face meeting. Nobody smiled when I walked in the room. <gasps> and when I shared my fabulous share, nobody nodded. Nobody nodded. 
um, you know, so I left, I, I set the ball rolling. So then I was like aggressive. I wanted my share to outshare theirs. You know, I wanted to be more recovered than anybody else in the room. I set the ball in motion, you know, and the only way I knew what this was about is that I picked up the phone immediately. And I said to somebody, you know what? Attention is my oxygen. I didn't get some. And so this is a life or death errand. So I don't know these things. And Time. I you. Okay. And um, so I don't just do one, one tenth step. I don't let the buildup happen once. I call as much as I need to call every day to um, get unblocked and get free. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Wendy M. Okay, we're on page 35, second paragraph, where it starts our first example as a friend. We're going to read through two paragraphs. Who would like to share? Ginger C. Ginger C. Ron G. John K. Okay, I, I've got, uh, I'm, I'm slow today, but um, I've got Ginger C, I missed the next person, Roz G, Terry H, and I've got John K. There was a person in there that I missed. That was Martha S. Martha S, I got you. And who was that else in there? Lisa S. Lisa S. Okay, I've got Ginger C, Mar- Martha S, Roz G, Terry H., John K. and Lisa S. That's a good run. Okay. Ginger C., if you start, Martha S., you'll be next. Hi. Good morning, Sylvia, and thanks so much for your service on a Friday morning. Um, Ginger C., recovered compulsive overeater in Colorado. And I love uh, these two paragraphs we just read, and it's clear that Jim's going to be drinking in a short matter of time. In that second paragraph, because it says, um, all went well for a time, but he failed to enlarge his spiritual life. And Bill tells us back on 14, he says, for if an alcoholic failed to perfect and enlarge his spiritual life through work and self-sacrifice for others, he could not survive the certain trials and low spots ahead. So, Again, you know, wash, rinse, repeat. We've got a new day, and thank God it's only a daily reprieve. It's, it's, it's not easy staying out of these addictions. But it tells me clearly, you know, I lack power. That's my problem. I have a lot of willpower in a lot of ways, but when it comes to any of my addictions, I have zero. And the only defense that I have is from this higher power. And I love how Bill talks about, you know, it's working and self-sacrifice for others that we grow with this higher power. So I always have to, you know, I check in with my thinking because usually what I'm thinking is where I'm heading, you know, and and all of the um, action is born out of thought. So I got to check in throughout my day, you know, many times throughout this day, I say, thy will be done because that's my goal is to show up for you and not think about me. But, of course, this ego wants to make it all about the ginger show. And that just edges God out. And then I can't do this work in the way that God's wanting me to. Again, we have such a gift today. We have such an opportunity to share and to help others. And it's so beautiful when I'm out of me and I'm into you. And I never knew this except for a few years ago when somebody showed me that, yeah, you can get out of this food nightmare. You don't have to go through this thing called life, eating your brains out and missing all these amazing opportunities. You can try this new way, this new experience. And all I had to do was be honest, open, and willing, willing to go to any lengths for victory over this thing 
And thank God I was, because my life has unfolded in ways that I know is indeed miraculous. And that is from God and how this God works in and through me for you. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Ginger C. Martha S., followed by Roz G. Good morning. This is Martha S., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in upstate New York. Thank you for your service, Sylvia. So I do... um, I do... uh, I do recognize that I have a nervous disposition. You know, I'm an intelligent person, normal so far as we can see, except for a nervous disposition. It's much less nervous in recovery because I have the steps and I can practice in step 11, recognizing when I feel agitated or doubtful. I can pause and ask my higher power for the next right thought or action. But definitely before recovery, I had a nervous disposition. You might not notice it on the outside, but my mind was busy, 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 like monkey brain, um, analyzing everything and trying to figure out how I how I could get things to go my way or um, feeling very easily slighted if, uh, as someone already noted, if you looked me, didn't look at me at the meeting or if you did look at me the wrong way in the meeting or whatever, um, I was very sensitive. So I had a nervous disposition and I feel much relieved of that now. But uh, as someone noted, if something crops up and it will crop up because I'm a human being, um, if the agitation crops up, I can do a 10 step. And that um, they're giving us a warning in the second paragraph here. Um, it looks like he made it, Jim made a beginning. Maybe he worked through the equivalent at that time of step four, or maybe step nine. His family was reassembled. He went back to work. Um, He was basically abstinent for a period of time, but all of a sudden he found himself drunk. So that is the second part of this disease, the the obsession of the mind, Um, that I can be abstinent for any period of time, but if I'm failing to enlarge my spiritual life in steps 10, 11, and 12 every day, I could find myself picking up that donut. So... Um, that's what keeps me uh, in the step work every day, very grateful to live this way of life. And I, I find the story of Jim and then Fred in this chapter a really useful warning um, about what I need to do every day so that I'm not back into the food and I can be more helpful to others. Thank you for the opportunity to share. I'll pass. Thank you, Martha S. Roz G. followed by Terry S. H. Good morning. You may hear a little background noise, so I'll make this brief. This is Roz G, covered compulsive overeater in Los Angeles County. And I would like to humbly and um, embarrassingly say that um, last night I got pissed off. And um, I could have um, done exactly what Jim did. Um, I was in a meeting last night, and in this particular meeting, they don't like you mentioning foods. They don't like you mentioning foods. So we were reading Dr. Bob's story, and Dr. Bob said something about his affinity to beer. And so I mentioned my affinity to to Doritos and Cheetos and all these other foods. And this one lady shook her, you know, raised her hand and said, "We don't we don't mention foods here." And I said, uh, uh, uh. "So I shut up." And then you know I didn't want to talk. I acted like a little kid, you know, just putting my head down. Oh, there goes the noise. And uh, hold on, I'm gonna mute this real quick.
Sorry, but that was a bell. Anyway, so I ended up, you know, getting pissed off. And um, I, I immediately did a 10th step, and I immediately realized that I cannot stop going to that meeting. I need those people. They need me. Anger is poison. And I went ahead and enlarged my spiritual life. I apologized. I prayed. I called my sponsor. My sponsor told me something funny. She said, compulsive overeaters trying to do it by themselves is like an ice cube trying to not melt in hell. And so I laughed. I had a good laugh. And, you know, thank God my spiritual life is is, 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 is enlarged. And, yes, I do get angry, but I have tools. And last night it was a good 10th step. So with that, I'm sorry for the noise, and I pass. Thank you, Raj G. Terry H., followed by John K. Hi, everyone. My name is Terry H., a recovered compulsive eater, uh, bulimic, and anorexic in North Carolina. Uh, very grateful today. Um, yeah, I like this uh, gym story. It's probably one of my favorites also in the big book. Um, my sponsor brought it back to me, um, brought me back to this story many times as we were working through the steps to Um, help me to understand the mental obsession of this disease and just to get a a clearer understanding of that. You know, here's Jim. He's a a good man, but, you know, he had a nervous disposition. He drank. He got out of control in a very short period of time, and he was an alcoholic. And then, you know, he met uh, Bill and Bob and, and worked some of the program. We don't know how far he went in the steps. It doesn't really say here. Um, however, he made a, a, a good beginning, and all went well for a time. Um, however, because he failed to enlarge his spiritual life, you know, his mental defense against his disease pretty much broke down. And, you know, one of the things I've learned in this disease and in my recovery is that without my higher power, without my spiritual experience, and, and expanding it each and every day, I am powerless over my disease alone. I have no mental defense um, without my higher power. And so in order to, you know, to build on that each and every day, you know, I practice these principles as, as best I can each and every day. And, you know, today I have these tools. I have step 10 um, when resentments and fear and selfishness comes up in the day. Um, I can work my program to remove those blocks. That's what it's about for me, clearing the blocks between me and my higher power. Because without my higher power, I am defenseless against my disease. And, you know, I have to do the work. I have to take the actions. When things aren't going well, I have to lean into my program a little bit harder. And, you know, I'm just really grateful for that. Um, um, Like Jim, you know, I hear in the rooms many, many times in face-to-face meetings, people who have worked the steps and believe that that's it for them, that they have it and they move on and they fail to um, expand their spiritual life and they relapse. Um, so from, for me, I, I listen, I hear, I learn, and I continue, you know, I'm a lifelong learner. And for me, you know, I want to be able to do things differently I want to be able to, you know, live life. And so, you know, continuing to expand my spiritual life is just part of my daily work every day. And so, you know, I enjoy the freedoms and peace I get from recovery. And even though it's not easy all the time, it's worth it to me. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Terry H. John K. followed by Lisa S. 
Hi, this is John. Did you say call my name? I'm sorry. Yes, John Key. Okay, you got that, that second where you can't hear anything. So, <laughs> hi, this is John Kiernan, Recovered Compulsive Eater in <clears throat> Los Angeles. And I think everybody's going to key on that same line, fail to enlarge his spiritual condition. You know, I was taught in my first program, probably in my first week or two of program, I was given a line that stuck with me ever since, is an alcoholic under enough pressure will revert to type. And, you know, it's absolutely true. And at the end of the day, you know, I'm a, I'm a big believer in the practical part of this program. You know, uh, in the AA 12 and 12, it talks about the steps being intensely practical, you know, and um, that this is a first things first program. I need to keep the food down no matter what, so that my higher power and you guys can teach me new ways to deal, you know, with the everyday stresses that, that drove me to eat, you know. Uh, See, my default activity for everything, whenever there was a problem, was to turn to the food, you know, throughout my life. And sadly, my disease knew this and preyed on it. It did give me a hundred excuses, and we'll see some more about that in the next couple of days, uh, as to why I should go eat. And you know what? Every one of those excuses in the moment seemed perfectly logical and perfectly valid. And, of course, immediately afterwards, I'd look and go, oh, my God, that was just nuts. And it, and it was, you know, and hence the, the reason the word insanity is in the second step. And, and you guys have maybe heard me say my favorite definition of insanity when it comes to the disease is a state of mind which prevents normal perception, you know. That, that wonderful brain I had and then have would get hijacked by my disease over and over you know, and and uh, it just fed me with things that seemed like good ideas, but it fed me faulty data. And uh, and um, the thing is, I can never learn new ways of dealing with life if I'm continually defaulting to, to turn to the old ways. I I, I joke sometimes. I, I it was like I was a rat in a maze, and um, I went down this convoluted maze, and I got to the end and banged my head at the end because I picked the wrong way. And so I'd back myself all the way out and then go down the same damn one again, you know. And I had to learn new alternative things. And that's what this program teaches me. It teaches me there are different ways. And that there's a great line in the back of page 450 I, I quote a lot of times about, you know, the fact that we can't make our abstinence dependent on the, the ebb and flow of life because there's always going to be something. Uh, but I had to learn how, how could I make that work? Because of that, and it's it's to me, it's all about staying close, staying close to this program. And remember, I have to live a twelve-step life, twenty-four-seven. I don't get a reprieve. My disease, you know, today the main thing my disease will use against me is not to tell me to go binge. And I'll wrap up. It'll tell me things like, you know, you're going to too many meetings. Well, I'm sorry. There's a great lady years ago who used to say, and I'll finish with this. Said, I'm not a slow learner. I'm a quick forgetter. And it's true. I could lose all this in a minute if I start stepping away from the program. And with that, I pass. Thank you, John Kay. Lisa S. Great. Thank you. Can you hear me? Yes. Hello, everybody. My name is Lisa S. in Colorado. Uh, gratefully recovered bulimic and compulsive overeater. Oh, gosh. Thank you for this meeting. I'm so grateful that we are Continuing to do this, um, this is definitely what I need because um, I'm for sure one of these real deal compulsive overeaters. And if I 
again, yep, I'm going to key into that same exact few words. If I fail to enlarge my spiritual life, um, I'm just back to the races. And it is, uh, I'm one of the lucky ones, I think, because I'm back to the races really fast if I don't continue to enlarge my spiritual life. It can't just be maintain some kind of thing. It's got to be gross. Um, Joe and Charlie in their talks talk about this. It's like they're either growing and moving forward or they're going backwards. Um, it's, it's the two roads, right? It's, it's everywhere in this book. Earlier um, in Bill's story, he says, um, he takes it further. He says, for if an alcoholic failed to perfect, brutal word, and enlarge his spiritual life through work and self-sacrifice for others, he could not survive certain trials and low spots ahead. And uh, it's a barometer for me today, you know, I, um, if I have like a day where it's kind of slow, and I'm just sort of maintaining, and then I have another day of that, or, or, I'm, you know, I know I need to dig deeper and go further to enlarge my spiritual life. And in the beginning, that's working these steps, step by step, working through this book, putting the food down. That's how we enlarge our spiritual life. And for me, once I'm recovered, it's still extremely tenuous, if not more. Um, the further along we go, the more we have to continue to perfect. And for me, perfection is always going to be perfectly imperfect, but it's got to be striving. And it's a relationship. It's getting closer to my higher power every day, working to be in alignment with the flow of life, with what's really happening, with what's true, you know, um, my my logic my brain is is broken and these steps help fix that it, these steps help me find the true love in my heart the love that is directly from my higher power that is my higher power and unblocks that and helps me see you know how do i grow today where do i need to be more effective where am i being lazy you know um how do i take more action and i dig into that power and i work to find alignment um, but it's got to be daily, and I really um, appreciate this fellowship, and I'm grateful that we are going down this road together. And it it is uh, we'll always be on it, right? Till the till death do us part for me in this path. And with that, thank you. I will pass. Thank you, Lisa S. We are on page 35, second paragraph, which starts our first example as a friend. We're reading for two paragraphs. Who would like to share? Uh, Leon Ann, I'd like to share. Gen Z. O H. Kathy uh, Joe P. Ann B. Okay, so I asked more than I got, uh, but let's see who I got, and then we'll fill it in. I got Liati D, Gen Z D, I think, Mo H, Sherry K B, Ann A. Who did I miss? Kathy Joe P. Okay, y'all talked on top of each other. I got Robin Ann. C. And I think I got you. I I I said Ann A, and you're probably just Ann B. Okay. okay. Uh, so I have Leaky D. Okay, I Kathy Joe P. So I have Leaky D, Gen Z, Mo H, Sherry K B, Ann B, Robin C, Kathy Joe P. Did I miss anyone? There was an Ann. A. There was an Ann A as well. Okay, so I got an Ann A and an Ann B. Thank you for that correction. Okay, 
so I think, uh, and I think that there was a Phoebe B in there. It was quite the pile on, and my ears weren't working yes. well. Phoebe okay. PBC. Okay. BB. I've got you, BB. Thank you. Okay. So, so if I could read my writing, we've got Liat TD, Jen Z, Mo H, Sherry KB, Ann A, Ann B, BBBC, Robin C, Kathy Jo P. We won't have time for everyone, but if you want to shorten it, that would be fine. Liat TD, go ahead and, and Jen line up and we'll figure out the rest. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, everybody. What a beautiful meeting. Um, we told him what we knew, you know, and uh, and what they knew is about the allergy of the body and the obsession of the mind. I'm allergic to specific uh, food. Some food. I have an alcoholic food that I can't bring put in my body, and I have an obsession of the mind that convinces me to go back to the food always. So they told him about that. And uh, he, I love, I'm Jim too, you know, I love Jim, because what it says that he made a beginning, and that was for me, and I would hear it in OA for years also, every morning I wake up and I, I, say, I do the first three steps, well, this is all wonderful to do the first steps, three steps, you know, but they're only steps of conclusions of the mind. You know, okay, they told him already, you know, you have a problem with allergy of the body and obsession of the mind. You know, you you need a power greater than yourself. You need to make a decision, you know, to turn over, to, you know, give your life over the care of God. And so um, those are conclusions of the mind. They're like, you know, if I'm losing my eyesight or I'm my eyes are getting poor, my vision is getting poor, you know, People could probably tell me, Liat, you probably need glasses, you know, but how do I, what do I need to do next? I need to go and check my, my eyesight and, and get glasses and actually wear them. Just having the glasses and putting them on the shelf and say every day that my eye, my vision is poor is not going to make a difference. So, you know, he made a beginning. He just did one, two, three. People would say, I, I do the waltz every day. One, two, three, one, two, three. You know, there's really, there's not even the word amen after the third step prayer because it's just the beginning, you know, and I didn't get it. It took me years. I thought I need to really drill it into my head. Well, for me to, for step, step three to come true is by taking four through nine, through 12. And so I had to do that. And I love the whole thing about nervous disposition because I suffer from it. So today, I'm, I'm going to always, and people, some are sicker than others, I'm really sick. I, I was telling my husband, I have an hour and 15 minutes worship time in the morning for five, from 5.45 to 7 o'clock when I go in the meeting, and I might get disturbed in the meeting because <laughs> I'm that kind of a person, you know, but I am on cloud nine at 7 o'clock because of all the spiritual charges I got. By 11, my spiritual battery is gone, it's I already, I'm irritable, and I, so, you know, yeah, I, 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 I'm suffer, I suffer, and I'm probably going to suffer for the rest of my life, and I'm so grateful that there is a solution for that uh, nervous disposition that I suffer from, and it's not the food, it's God in the steps, and sometimes it feels enlarged, the spiritual condition, sometimes it feels like I don't even have God in my life, but I keep going there, because that's the only solution that I have, and I love you all, have a wonderful weekend, I'll miss you.
Thank you, Liat TD. We have Gen Z followed by Mo H, and we have way more people than we have time, so you don't have to take your whole three minutes, although you may. Go ahead, Jen. Gen Z? Star one. Hi, this is Gen Z. Can I be heard? Yes. Um, I, this is Gen Z. I'm a compulsive, uh, recovering compulsive overeater in Kentucky, and I will, um, I really want to hear everybody, so I won't take too much time. Um, I want to talk about the nervous disposition. I've had a nervous disposition for as long as I can remember. I didn't call it that for a long time, but really, for as long as I can remember, I've cared way too much about what other people thought of me. In fact, my value was based on that. And um, through this process, I'm learning that um, my value should be in what God thinks of me. And um, that's a hard thought to die down. And, uh, you know, even when I thought I was abstinent, I gave up my sugar and my flour, and I thought that was enough. And I was as honest as I knew how to be at the time. Um, I still care too much what people thought about me, even with my, you know, uh, step step 11s and 12s and step 10s. I still care too much what other people thought about me. And, and God, in his infinite wisdom, humbled me with the relapse. And with every relapse, I realize I have a lot more to learn. And I don't know how many relapses I have in me, but by golly, I'm going to have to go through them if I want to get to where I need to be. Um, I know that every time I've been abstinent, I have been as honest as I know how to be at that time. And right now, six days in into entire abstinence, um, that, that means weighing and measuring finally after balking for nine months. I am as honest as I know how to be at this time. And that's all I can give right now. Um, it, it may be down the line that I have another relapse, and so be it. That means I'll just get closer to where I need to be. I also have realized that uh, with my need to be accepted by my friends and be approved by my friends, that I'm not giving them who I am. And they're not able to give me who they really are. I'm not being a very good friend. And so I've had to take a few steps back um, from my friendships just because I know that I'm not, I'm not um, being my true self with them. And, and uh, it's an injustice to them and it's an injustice to me. And so um, until I learn to become the friend that I should be, and that is give them who I really am and not who I want them to think I am, then I really can't be a good friend. And so I'm hoping this process gets me there. And this is true with my husband too, be a good wife. Um, and so that, with that, I'll pass. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Gen Z. Mo H, followed by Sherry Kitty. Uh, good morning, Sylvia. My name is Mo H, compulsive, recovered compulsive eater in Northern California. You can hear me? Yes. Thank you. Um, I re- he agreed he was a real alcoholic and in a serious condition. I think I was in the rooms for, no, I don't think. I know I was in the rooms for a long time. I've been coming to the rooms since 1989, but I never said I was a real alcoholic. I tried to wiggle and squirm out of it and just be when I got the weight down and got to a healthy body weight, um, I was done. I I had arrived, and every time I had a, uh, as I said to one sponsee last night, I succumb to the disease is what it says in uh, 
the doctor's opinion. We succumb to the disease. Um, and then, and I also failed to enlarge on my spiritual life. I didn't understand how to work the steps. I answered questions, but I, that was different than working the steps. And back on page 14, it says, if an alcoholic failed to perfect and enlarge his spiritual life through work and self-sacrifice for others, he could not survive the certain trials and low spots ahead. And there are definitely trials and low spots in abstinence. And my Ebby, which is my sponsor, she told me what she knew of this program. She taught me how to do a 10th step. And the highlight of my life is working 10 steps with others. As somebody calls me and they're restless, irritable, and discontented, I say, are you willing to work a 10th step? I'm willing to walk you through it. I love doing that. I love helping my sponsees with that piece. This is just this time around in the program, and I've been asking in two years this week contentedly, and I am very grateful for the recovery that I have and for all of you on the line. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Sylvia. Thank you, Mo H. Sherry KB has uh, graciously decided to pass to allow Ann A and Ann B share. And A start one. Hello, this is Anne A. Can I be heard? Yes. Hi, Anne, compulsive eater, recovered in Maine. Um, the that sentence that's been mentioned over and over again in the meeting um, that, so far as we can see, except for a nervous disposition, he's normal. And that nervous disposition, I can, is just resonating. And uh, the next line where he said he didn't know drinking until he was 35, that I can't relate to. Um, I started, remember, you know, when I was probably seven, uh, the first time I can remember uh, my eating being seen as something that's not, not good. And, um, and, and that nervous disposition was there. I remember the nervous disposition at age five. And so that preceded even realizing that, you know, my eating was odd. And, um, you know, someone just mentioned contented abstinence. And I just think that's really my goal now is contented abstinence. And um, and the only way I can get there is by enlarging my spiritual life. Um, you know, I've done lots of experiments thinking, oh, well, I can skimp on that. I can skimp on not doing a tenth step. I can skimp on, you know, not enlarging my spiritual life. <clears throat> and every time, like it says here, in rapid, su rapid succession, you know, um, I'm taught quickly that, that's not going to work. <laughs> so I'm grateful to be um, to be in a place where today I have contented abstinence, and and I'm realizing what that means to enlarge my spiritual life. That it's 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 not something. At, at one time I thought, oh, it's going to church. Oh, it's going. You know, it's it's doing that kind of religious um, thing, and. It's not that. It's my spiritual life is a moment-to-moment -moment basis um, throughout the day. And it's recognizing when I am distraught, when I'm unsettled, when something um, I'm having dis-ease of some sort, and, uh, and, and not ignoring it and addressing it. And um, 
realizing that if I do ignore that, it's it's not going to it will come it will manifest it will manifest in ways that um, take me back down the road toward food. So um, today I'm just really 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 grateful for vision and the focus on the big book in these in these first um, 186 pages or 68. Anyway, thanks so much. I pass. Thank you, Ann A. Now we have Ann B and Phoebe B, and we uh, have quite a few people, so we won't be able to hear everyone, but let's do our best. Ann B. Hi, this is Ann B, compulsive overeater. Um, I don't like the word recovered, but I've been abstinent for 13 years. Um, I think that the big book is pretty clear, actually, on the next page, what Jim specifically did wrong, which is that he had a resentment towards his boss. And instead of doing the resentment procedure, which is on pages um, 64 through 68, he stuffed it down. He said, I had a few words with the boss, nothing much. And in that respect, he became less than 100% perfectly honest because it was obviously a big deal for him. And because he stuffed it down, he he drank. Um, But where I think the working with others comes in is that when I work with others, I'm forced to repeat the steps because I'm teaching them to that my sponsees, and that forces me to remember that I need to do them. And um, that's, I think, one of the very important things about sponsorship, and a sponsorship is not optional. So I'll pass. Oh, I'm in the, the suburbs of New York, by the way. I'll pass. Thank you, Ann B. Phoebe B., followed by Robin C., Hi, this is Phoebe B, abstinent food addict in Vermont. Um, I got you now. Thanks. (laughs) Okay. I'm so delighted to be able to be on live. I hear this meeting record, the recordings of the meetings uh, frequently. Um, And the thing that strikes me today, again, is what everybody has said, that uh, we go back to the food if we have not um, enlarged our spiritual life. Enlarging my spiritual life, and I've been at an abstinent food addict now for 18 months, um, the first act for me every day in enlarging my spiritual life, yes, it's prayer and meditation, but the first act of surrender, besides getting on my knees, is putting the food on a scale and weighing and measuring my food, committing my food to my sponsor every day, because then I'm not in charge. Uh, and when I was early on in the program, um, I heard that a relapse begins up to two months before the actual food goes in your mouth, the, uh, the allergic food. And that is also a, um, a side effect or the main effect of not in, enlarging my spiritual life by addressing the issues that go on for me, the feelings that I have, the feelings that come up during the day that I get to address at night in my 10th step. And um, a couple of times in this 18 months, I've made a mistake with my food, not a slip, but made a mistake in terms of forgetting to eat something and immediately letting my sponsor know that or um, or uh, other various mistakes. And the first time that I made a mistake, my sponsor had me do an inventory where I looked at uh, what happened, what was I feeling, and where was I placing my reliance? What did I make God in that in that equation? Where was the spiritual disconnect? And that has been an unbelievably useful tool for me 
um, in those couple of mistakes that I've made and in looking at what did I make God? Uh, one time I made my granddaughter God um, because I was paying more attention to her than I was to the fact that I needed to eat my snack and I forgot to eat my snack. Um, so enlarging my spiritual life takes many different forms and many people on this line this morning have talked about the specifics of that, but I wanted to share those things this morning because if, and if there are any newcomers out there, I know sometimes it's hard to connect the dots between the food and the steps. And, um, so Sheila, thank you for your service. And again, I'm so happy to have been able to hear this meeting live today. And with that, I'll pass. Yes, this is Sylvia. Are you, I didn't catch your name correctly. Is it Phoebe or Phoebe? Phoebe, like Phoebe the bird. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Sheila. Okay, and then we have Robin C., followed by Kathy Jo P. Uh, actually, Robin, we only have two minutes, so we will end with you, Robin, for two minutes. Oh, thank you. I'm I'm actually Robin P, like P, like Palmer. So um. Okay. And it's it's also Robin, like the bird. So that's funny. Um, I'm Robin. I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater, um, in Los Angeles on Pacific time. And I thank you so much for this wonderful meeting. Oh my goodness, um, what a great meeting. And um, this is just a God meeting for me. Um, and I actually did a ten step in the middle of it uh, with my sponsor because I just thought, oh my gosh. Thank you. And, um, you know, um, the funny thing that I just wanted to say that really jumps out at me, and I'm talking fast so that the next person can also share if possible, um, all went well, but he failed to enlarge his spiritual life to his consternation. He found himself drunk a half a dozen times in rapid succession. You know, that's the funny thing of the denial. It's like he failed to enlarge his spiritual life and to his consternation. That, to me, is the definition of denial. Um, so thanks so much. I pass. I hope that other person gets to say something. Thank you. So that's all the time that we have. Kathy Jopi, I'm sorry we won't have time for you today. Um, thank you to everyone who has shared. Thank you to Team Friday. And um, uh, we will now close from the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer. Uh, Polly Q will be reading that. Now, remember to stick around for the last 10 minutes of the meeting, which are not recorded. Um, uh, Polly Q. Hi, may I be heard? Yes. Thank you. Thank you for your service. Our book is meant to be, this is Polly Q in Northern California. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you.